Good morning, everybody. How are we doing this morning? Would you stand to your feet? Just sing this with me. Joy to the world, the Lord is come.
and wonders of his love and wonders, wonders of his love. Amen. Give him a shout of praise this morning. Good morning, church family. My name is Gary Campbell. I'm the lead pastor here at GBC, and I'm excited to welcome you to our third Sunday of Advent. We're going to be hearing from our missions pastor, Andy Bonner, this morning as he brings God's Word in our series, Just Right. And I also want to let you know, if you are new, if this is one of your first times checking in, or you're watching online for the first time, or maybe over the last several weeks, I want to encourage you to click the I'm New button on our website. We'd love to get to know you. If you're in-house today, you can see us at the Welcome Center. And uh, we're excited as well to invite you to Christmas Eve, either online or here in the building. We have three services at 4 p.m., 5.30 p.m., and 7 p.m., and we are building that to engage both parts of our community, both those online and those in the room. So we're excited about all of those things, but most importantly, to be in the presence of God together this morning and worshiping Him. And so let's continue with our worship today. We're going to praise His name together.
now, Groton Bible Chapel, we have the privilege to enter directly into the presence of God. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning with our praise and our thanksgiving and our worship to you, for you alone are worthy. You are the creator of all of heaven and earth, and you are the creator of such a perfect plan of salvation. God, when you came to save us, you didn't come as the fire. You didn't come as the whirlwind. Instead, you came as the still small voice, as a baby born in Bethlehem, a tender reed, a gentle lamb who would be slain on the cross for our sins. And because of that, we worship and we praise you now. And we are so thankful, Lord, that we can come directly into your presence. We are thankful, Lord, that you've given us a place to come and meet. Lord, that you've given us an opportunity to learn about you. Lord, that you've given us a country in which we are allowed to worship you and grow in you. Lord, we pray for our leaders as they make decisions, Lord, that you would guide them in decisions about this pandemic, Lord, and, and that you would be certainly with those who are spreading the vaccine, Lord, and that, that that would come quickly and it would be effective. Lord, we pray especially, though, for those who are listening today, Lord. We pray that you would soften our hearts. You pray that, pray that you would guide us, Lord, as we learn about you. We pray for our brother Andy as he opens up your word. And Lord, we just give this time to you because you alone are worthy of glory and honor and praise. For it's in the precious name of Jesus, the only name that is worthy, the only name that brings salvation. Amen. You may be seated.
Good morning. My name is Eddie Rainville, and I'm here with my dad, also Eddie Rainville. This morning, we light the candle of joy. We have a reading from Ezekiel chapter 36. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanlinesses, and from all your idols I will cleanse you, and I will give you a new heart, and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh, and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statues, and be careful to obey my rules. Romans 6, for when we were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For God, for the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. Together, for the, for the wages, wages of, of sin, sin is, death, is death, but, but the, the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ, Christ our Lord. Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards you, toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Together, for God, for God so, so loved, loved the world, world that, that he gave his, his only, only begotten Son, son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Father, thank you for your great plan of our salvation. We are humbled that you would send Jesus for us. 
it gives us great joy this Advent season to celebrate his birth, remembering why he came. Help us to find our true joy in Jesus through each and every day. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Please take 30 seconds to wave or text your greeting as Andy comes to speak to us this morning. Well, good morning to you all. Thank you. I thank you for being here. Uh, those, those of you who are in uh, home groups, we want to thank you for being there. Those of you who are home in your pajamas and uh, ironing, I can't see you, so don't worry about it. Um, listen, I, I just wanted to tell you that uh, before I was, some of you know that I was a teacher for a long time, and before I was an education major, I was a political science major. So I thought we would start the day to, by talking about politics. What do you think? No. Is it a little too soon on that one? Okay. Anyway, you know, it's, it's kind of been some tough times lately, and uh, something made me smile. I have a study that's on, in my attic, and I kind of look out over a, a local elementary school, and Friday afternoon I watch kids in the playground. They'll, you know, second, third, fourth graders, they were fully masked, uh, their jackets were half on and they were half off, and they were running all over the place as kids do at high speed, and, and it was just uplifting taking the time watching them. I, I guess my comment is don't give up hope. Don't give up hope. Anyway, let me give you a couple missions updates. That's what I do here. Um, I want to thank you, first of all, for your really faithful support in the last year. It's been uh, just really great. I did want to let you know that I got the numbers in on our golf tournament, the Mike G Golf Tournament, and we have $7,500 came in from that. Who? Uh, that is going to be used for um, in projects in Haiti, and we're excited about that. And you have a picture here. Uh, the picture is of my friend Arthur at the Parcel Center, and these two pallets of clothing are somewhere between Westerly, Rhode Island, and Albuquerque, New Mexico, and eventually on to Arizona. They have been shipped. In the missions bulletin this week, you will see you will see a, um, a, 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 a there's some discussion on how that happened and the story behind it. And it's kind of neat. I'd encourage you to read it. So finally, I'd like to uh, read you a passage from a lesser-known book, the lesser-known book of No Give It To Us Anymore. This is No Give It To Us Anymore, chapter 1, verse 1. Thou shalt hold in reserve all future contributions to the clothing corral as Pastor Andy's garage overfloweth <laughs> with bags of attire. You are beseeched to hearken unto these words. Waiteth thou for the future? In short, in short, 
the gate of the clothing corral is closed. But let me give you an introduction to our sermon this morning. Uh, We're in a four-part series. It's Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, and it's entitled, Just Right. Zach started us when the time had come to completion, the right timing. Dave, last week, God sent his son, born of a woman, the right way. Today, part three, the right reason. What's the right reason? Faith in Jesus takes us out from under the law. And next week, Gary will finish the series with the right result. Our adoption by Jesus as children of God. Let's look at these verses. But when the time set had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. That's the full text. Today's text is this. God sent his son, born under the law, to redeem those under the law. Now, let me give you a little bit of background on the Galatians, uh, the book, uh, the letter to Galatians. It was written by Paul to the people living in the region of Galatia. It's part of the Roman Empire and is what is today modern Turkey. So if you take a look at this map and you turn your head like this, you will see that the word Galatia is there and Paul traveled through that in his three missionary journeys. Uh, This is a map of his second journey. He spent a bunch of time there traveling through the region and he he knew the region well. He had established churches there. He had been a bold witness for Christ And most importantly, he had a deep affection for the young believers there. But a problem had arisen. A number of the people had been sidetracked. Some Jewish converts to Christianity were spreading heresy within the church. They were called Judaizers because they wanted to incorporate the Mosaic laws into the saving message of Christ. For them, it was a Jesus plus that would bring you to salvation, the Judaizers. They argued that Paul was not an authentic apostle and out of a desire, and and he was working, in fact, out of a desire to convert Gentiles, that is, non-Jews, he had removed from the gospel certain necessary legal requirements to Christianity. They had created a Jesus plus something else. And Paul's refutation of this heresy is the theme of the letter, which doesn't mince words about his abhorrence of the ideas. We read in Galatians chapter 1, I'm astonished, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Um, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Paul refutes this bad idea as a theme throughout the entire letter. And our short passage today that we're looking at contains one of the critical sub-arguments that the law, the rules of conduct given in the Old Testament leads us to faith, but it is faith in Jesus alone that saves us. The Judaizers were wrong. 
Faith in Jesus alone takes us out from under the law. Our passage has, centers on two ideas, the inadequacy of the law and the freedom of redemption. So let's take a look a little bit about the law. The laws given by God are perfect. For example, if you consider what is known as the first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. In Exodus, you find that. If at any time in a Galatians experience, or in fact in our experience, we place anything above the God of the Bible, we have goofed. It's called sin. And sin, sin brings us to death. Physical, spiritual, eternal. It doesn't matter if we like this idea or not. God is the creator of the universe and is the one who created the path to salvation only through faith in his son. An illustration from, from the schoolyard across the street might help. On Friday, I saw this little girl looking up overhead and she spotted a turkey vulture, which, if you will pardon me for just a moment, is the most disgusting bird in the planet. And they just, they, uh, it's, they leave non-refundable deposits <laughs> everywhere. And don't get me going on this because it's just, it, anyway. Anyway, this little girl, this little girl saw the bird and took her schoolyard ball and she threw it up over her head, trying to toss it to the bird. It was cute but it was wholly inadequate because I guess it probably went up 20 feet and the bird was up a couple hundred feet. Do you get the point? Our trying to obtain perfection is like the little girl playing catch with a bird. It just can't be done. We look back to Galatians. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a, law, under a curse, as, as it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. The imagery at the uh, beginning of Galatians chapter 4 is helpful for understanding. It pictures a slave and a son, um, or, or, the, the son of the owner, or an owner of the slave. And, and J. Vernon McGee uh, describes it this way. A slave or servant in Rome, had a ho uh, in a Roman home, had charge of any child born in the home. He fed, dressed, bathed, wiped the nose of, and paddled the son born in the home. When the little fellow reached school age, he took him by the hand and led him to school. The law took mankind by the hand, led him to the cross of Christ, and said, little man, you need a savior. The law turns us over to Christ. The law isn't salvation, it turns us over to Christ. Again, back to the Galatians. Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until faith was to come, uh, uh, the faith that would, was to come would be revealed. 
So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. That we might be justified by faith. One more illustration from Warren Wearsby. Legalism, that is following the rules of the law, then is not a step toward maturity, it is a step back into childhood. The law was not God's final revelation, it was but the preparation for that final revelation in Christ. It is important, it's important that a person know his ABCs because they are the foundation for understanding all language. But the man who sits in the library and recites the ABCs instead of reading the great literature that is around him is showing he is immature and ignorant, not mature and wise. Under the law, the Jews were children in bondage, not enjoying liberty. The Judaizers were pushing believers backward, back under a, a system that couldn't bring salvation. There's, there's one last verse to remember from a uh, point to remember from our verse. God sent his son born under the law. Jesus was born under the law, fully accountable to all of it, yet he was sinless. He didn't violate it at all because he is fully God and man. His sinless perfection opened the door for our salvation or in the words of verse 5, which Gary will talk about next week, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Jesus brought us out from under the law. And so we move from there to the second part of our verse, to redeem those under the law. To redeem. Let's, uh, let's look at a picture of redemption. This is um, a shot of the Lucian family. It was taken in Rhode Island uh, at the Washington County Fair. Whoop. It was uh, about three years ago. Um, Dodo, the oldest son, Dominic, is carrying a large stuffed dog, which I might add is still in my attic and an unwelcome guest. Anyway. I digress again. Anyway, Dodo was egged on by his father to participate in one of those um, uh, throw a basketball through a hoop, tiny hoop, and win prize things. And much to the delight of his family, he was successful. For the energy of his efforts, he was able to cash in on the big prize. He redeemed his victory for the giant canine. He was gleeful. His proud dad told the story of his great adventure over and over and is still telling that story. And aren't we like that? We think that we can achieve and win the big prize. We think that we can earn our way to heaven. This is a picture of redemption, but it's not a picture of biblical redemption. The Greek translation of the word, uh, word used, the word redeemed, used in our passage, gives us greater insight. The word is ex 
agorazo. I, I don't know Greek, I just looked it up. Uh, agorazo means to buy. X is a prefix that means to buy out, to buy out. Ex agorazo, to buy out. And it's a word that you would use if you were thinking of a slave market in biblical times. It would mean purchasing a slave with a view of never trading him again and granting his freedom. The purchaser would buy out the slave, eventually granting him freedom. The slave had no rights and no way to purchase his freedom, but he was freed by the one who purchased him for a price. It graphically pictures the movement from slavery to freedom. It's a metaphor of deliverance by Christ of Christian Jews and Gentiles universally from the law and its curse. Again from Galatians. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by, coming, by becoming a curse for us. He became a curse for us. It was a costly sacrifice for God, his son dying a gruesome death for our sin, for my sin. God sent his son to redeem those under the law. Jesus gets us out from under the law. That's where the Judaizers had it all wrong. Their pathway was like a chain gang being set free and then going around and then reshackling or reclamping their le ankle leggings to continue their journey. It just doesn't make sense, and it was tragically wrong. It's no wonder why Paul used such strong language against them. In another letter, Paul penned these words. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Grace given, not earned. Out from under the law. I, uh, I flippantly started the sermon by mentioning that I had switched majors in college from political science to secondary education, and I want to tell you the rest of the story. I was just a lousy undergraduate student. So lousy, in fact, that when I decided I wanted to be a teacher, I was denied admittance into the education department because my grades were substandard. No, they weren't substandard, they were lousy. They stunk. But I had a, I, but I had a series of optional courses that I could take and fill them up with all the education courses I would have taken, I, and I filled them up with all the education courses I would have needed as an education major. I don't know why I did that, but that's what I did. And finally, in my senior year, I registered for the next course in the sequence, not realizing that it was the course that I needed in order to do my student teaching and finish my, educa my education degree. And the first day of class, the professor called the roster 
and at my name asked if I was an education major, and I blurted out, no, but I wanted to be. He asked me to stay after class. And after our conversation, after class, our conversation went something like this. Why do you want to be an education major? Well, I really feel like I'm called to be a teacher, and um, I know my grades stunk the first couple of years in college and stuff. He said, did you really take all those education prerequisites? I said, yes. He says, well, all you really need is a, uh, an advisor. And I was silent because I didn't know what was going on. He said, if this is your passion, I'll do it for you, even though it means a bit of work and sacrifice on my part, and it was stunned silence for me. I was totally undeserving of his good grace. He was a stranger, but his willingness to sacrifice for me opened the door to a 36-year career as a teacher and a whole lot more, and I'm eternally grateful for that. If this happened on a human level, how much greater is the sacrifice of Christ? Jesus' redeeming work negates the need for us to earn our way to heaven. So what's the greatest gift in the Advent season? It's coming out from under the law, being unshackled by the chains of the law, and dancing in the freedom of faith in Christ. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, that you saw fit centuries ago, eons ago, back in eternity, to create your plan of salvation that wasn't dependent upon the things that I could do because I am too sinful. I goof. So, Lord, thank you that pictured this morning that we have been redeemed like a slave pulled out of the market, bought at a cost, and granted freedom. May we not live with shackles and chains around us, but dance in the freedom of faith in you. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Would you stand with me?
Let's sing that again. My chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior has ransomed me. And like a flood, His mercy reigns. Unending love. Amazing. My name is Zach. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, check one, that's better. Gallup released a poll this week that some of you saw. And in that poll, it basically released a survey of mental health in our country. And across every demographic, Reported mental health has, has gone way down year over year. No matter your gender, no matter your income level, no matter your race. But there was one subgroup in this secular poll that year over year showed an increase in reported mental health. One subgroup. And it was people who attended church weekly. Now, What's interesting about that, and that's exciting, what's interesting is for those who every two to three weeks said, nah, near weekly, giant drop. The people who said, no, I attend weekly, the only subgroup that actually saw an increase. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. There's people who come weekly who are struggling. But there's something special about people who show up, who come in online, and who wanna worship and who wanna study the word and who wanna be a part of a community week after week. And I say that because as we look to finishing up Advent and as we look to Christmas Eve, this is something that isn't just about us but about others. It's about our community, it's about our friends and our coworkers and our family. And so COVID is an excuse to not be invitational and to not be missional. So remember as we go that we're inviting people in and then we have something very, very special, as Andy got to talk about today. On your way out, if you want to grab, if there's anything left at the Christmas share tree, please stop on by. Thank you for those who brought in presents. And remember, if you're new, we'd love to connect with you. But church, as always, we are not dismissed. We are sent. We'll see you guys next week.